the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. This is Education Nation. Class is now in session. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. Good evening and welcome to Education Nation. This is a conversation about ideas to agree on in education here on AM 1280, The Patriot. My name is Andrew Hofstetter, and I am joined in studio by the hosts of the show, Rebecca Hagstrom and Mark Durkin. Education Nation is not a new show. Uh, We've actually been on, oh, I guess just over 100 episodes now, and it is our first episode uh, here on The Patriot. We are delighted to be joining the community on The Patriot. Uh, Such a stellar lineup of shows, great conversations happening, solid messages, and we're glad to be part of it. If this is your first time joining us, we want to welcome you, give you the chance today to get to know who we are, get to know what we're about, what kind of conversations we're having. Uh, if you've been a loyal listener, uh, we want to thank you for that. We want to also give you the context to our story, give you a chance to hear our hosts' stories, what they're about, what they're passionate about, what they care about. Our goal for today and for every episode of Education Nation is that we lead conversations about education that are based on ideas to agree on. There's, after all, a lot of ideas when it comes to education. Many of these ideas don't need to be taught. They're assumed. They're given to us by media platforms. They're given to us in the way we're raised. They're given to us in a lot of different, from a lot of different sources. Um, some of these ideas are uh, about how to educate. Some are about what it means to educate, why we educate, what works, what doesn't, what's important, what's most important, what's a distraction. The list goes on. But the, there are ideas that we can all agree on. Ideas like everyone deserves a good education. Ideas like good education benefits everyone. Uh, But I'm getting ahead of myself. I want to bring our host into the conversation here at Education Nation. We uh, we have Rebecca Hagstrom, Mark Durkin as the host of the show. And I want to give Rebecca, you, Mark, give both of you the chance to give some of your background, some of your story of, of how you ended up here how this, how Education Nation came to be. So I'm going to turn first to you, Rebecca. I'm, yeah. I'm going to give you the chance to let our listeners know who you are, hear more about you. If there's one way I would introduce you, um, when I do introduce you to people, it's when solutions cannot be found, they must be created. Hmm. And you are somebody who creates solutions to problems. You don't look for them, you create them. Yeah. It's admirable and it's difficult. Hmm. But we are here in studio talking about education in America because of that philosophy of life that you have. Mm. It's worth talking about. So where did this come from? How did we end up here talking mm. today? Boy, that's really kind. I really appreciate that. And and you're, you're right. It is tough. It is hard um, because creating a solution is never an easy thing to do because you're going outside of the box usually when you're creating a solution. Um, but really, this this all kind of goes back, I can even say, to my own 
childhood. Um, I grew up in a family that valued education. Uh, my mom and dad always said, we feel that the best gift we can ever give our children is an excellent education. And while I was public school educated K-12, they felt very strongly about paying for college for us. They saved up money. They, they weren't wealthy, but they saved their money to put all four of us through college so that we didn't have to come out without any debt or without any, with any debt. And so that being said, that whole idea of education was really infused into me as a child. And getting advanced degrees was something that was expected almost in our family. Um, not all of us did, but many of us did. And, and so that, that idea of excellence in education, um, was just really a part of who I am. And so then fast forward to when I have my own children and I want them to attend school, I of course turn to the local public school because we're Minnesota. Why would I ever send my kids to a private school? And um, we sent him off to this wonderful, sweet little elementary school where he only had 21 kids in his class. And while the kids were wonderful, the families were wonderful, the teachers were wonderful, he just simply wasn't being challenged. And after a few years, we realized this just isn't going to change. And we, were be- we became very frustrated. So long story short, we ended up sending him to a private school that was not faith-based, but known for academics because we were looking for academic challenge, academic rigor. And while we found the rigor at that private school that we attended, actually for nine years, our kids went there, um, we realized that the faith component was really too important to leave out. So then we visited Christian schools, but there we found that the level of academics was just not comparable to what we had grown accustomed to. So it was in that time of frustration that we fell upon classical Christian education. And there was exactly what we were looking for, the balance of high academics um, with a faith component that wasn't sheltering, that didn't tell kids what to think, but to teach them um, how to learn, how to think, expose them to other worldviews, other religions, other viewpoints, but yet always drawing them back to the truth of Scripture. And that was where we settled and realized this is what we want for our kids. So we opened um, a school called Liberty Classical Academy in 2003 with some other families. And we are now 15 years later um, running with 264 kids, started with 28 kids back in 2003. So that's really where the story of even Education Nation began because I would have never thought to start a radio program about education. I think it's brilliant, by the way, how you just totally skipped over the fact that you started a school. That was just an anecdotal (laughs) contribution to the conversation. (laughs) Oh, yes. And I did this thing where I started a school with hundreds of... Well, and you know, it's kind of funny because people do, they they do kind of wonder what even made you want to do that. And I, I can't take credit for having the idea of starting the school. You know, when we found this ad, when we discovered classical Christian education, we discovered it through an ad for Schaefer Academy in Rochester. And I contacted my husband at work and I said, honey, I found the perfect school, but it's in Rochester. And we, we owned a business here, so I knew we weren't moving. And he said, well, why don't you call them and see if there's any schools like that up here in the Twin Cities? And when I did that, the woman on the other end of the phone said, you know, we don't know of any schools in the Twin Cities that, that are classical and Christian like, like Schaefer is. But the school was founded by six families and you can do it too. And I remember not being daunted at all and just thinking, huh, that's a good idea. Start a school. 
yes, we should do that. And, and I, I told my husband, honey, I think we're supposed to start a school. And I went to the Bible study that I was a part of and I said, I think God wants us to start a school. And they kind of looked at me cross-eyed. One of them, she, she actually volunteers at our school to this day. She said to me, Rebecca, only you would say that. And she just laughed. But you know, that's another piece I can point back to in my childhood. One of the themes that I heard often growing up is you can do whatever you set your mind to. And my mother was very good about saying that to all of us. And so I think it's partly because I had that background of, of my mother's and father's confidence in me and then add that to now a very strong faith that I had. I knew that if we were called to this, God was going to make it happen. And we were just the tool that he was using to make it happen. And that was a willing tool. And thankfully, we had some other willing tools as well because you don't start a school all by yourself. Right, <laughs> so. Right. so then the, so then that laid the foundation for this conversation that's happening right. about education right. that you're, you're leading in some ways. You're also part of and yeah. you're contributing to and other people are leading in other yeah. areas. Yeah. So talk about then how this came. Yeah. So um, a couple of years ago, we were actually looking at ways to expose who our school is to a broader audience. And at the same time, I was growing very frustrated with what was happening in our nation's education system, both public and private, by the way. Um, Progressive education has infiltrated both public and many private schools, including even some Christian schools. And so that frustration was boiling within me. And I felt so um, helpless to be able to tell people, you know, I would talk to people when I was at school functions, I would tell people when we were at, you know, parties, you get talking to people and about conversational issues, but I didn't have a wider platform. And so when our then, it was our very first marketing director that we had ever had, she suggested, why don't you start a radio show? And I thought, hmm, I've been on radio being interviewed, but I've never hosted a radio show. But I thought, what a great way for me to be able to share what is happening with a broader audience, because we just know that people are busy. They don't have time to do the research themselves. And so we felt that it was really important for us to to do the research and to be able to share with a broader audience what's happening in education and try to help people um, be alerted and then hopefully engage in the conversation and, and join us in trying to make our nation's schools better. Because frankly, our nation is only going to be as good as our schools because it is the schools that are nurturing that next, that next generation of the leaders. The philosophy of the classroom today. Yes, exactly. Yes. In fact, I know that uh, that is one of Mark's favorite <laughs> Uh, Sorry, Mark. And that's actually, I, okay. I think we'll it was that next week. Lincoln. Yes. Lincoln. Why don't we? Lincoln. Why don't we at least recite it right now, Absolutely. because it's so important. A- yeah. That's right. Abraham Lincoln had said that the philosophy in the classroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. And today we really see it as really just a double-headed monster that's kind of feeding off of each other, mm-hmm. and it's really hard to kind of distinguish the one role versus the other. And that mm-hmm. is a statement laced with both hope and terror. Yes. Absolutely. Depending on what's happening. Depending on what's happening. Yep. Mm -hmm. Thus, thus that sense of urgency to get people talking and discussing education. So often that's the last topic, especially even in political races. Um, This last one, the last presidential race, I think it was the first time that a presidential candidate 
took education and put it towards the top. And like or not Trump, some people love him, some people hate him, but he did expose the issue of education during the election campaign, and he made school choice a platform of his. And that was the first time I've seen that. Normally, education gets kind of cast aside as being less important than everything else, but really, it's the foundation of the future. And so in, we need to pay attention. And in strange ways, and I think this is one of the issues that the show ad- addresses so well, in, in, in some ways, I would say that for some reason, education becomes a polarizing topic yeah. in ways that you wouldn't, it, it doesn't Want seem, it to be. yeah, it doesn't seem that it should be. Right. Because there are ideas that we all agree on. Good education matters. Exactly. The, a good education is good for society. It's yes. good for families. It's yep. good for kids. But it is a polarizing topic. Yep. And I think the reason why it's become polarizing, Andrew, is because people have this fundamental desire to support the public schools, myself included. And, you know, I grew up in the public schools. Most of us grew up, most of us adults grew up in the public schools. Our country has this sense that we want everybody to be free. We want everybody to have an equal opportunity. But frankly, that is the very reason why I'm concerned is because in our public school system, the way it stands today, kids are not getting an equal opportunity. And so I think when we try to raise these concerns about public schools, and like I said, it's infiltrated a lot of private schools too, people, they can't separate the issue. They can't separate the concern with a desire to support the public schools. They think that you're railing against the public schools. And so I really want to make it clear that I am in full support. And so is Mark. We are in full support of a, of a strong public education system and agree with our founders or with those who started it. Actually, it wasn't in the founders that, that started public schools. It was actually evangelical Christians started uh, public schools. Um, And I agree with that notion that everyone should have access to an excellent education. So when we, bring up issues and bring up topics. It's out of our desire to make the schools better. It's not out of a desire to try to shut them down. And I just want to make that clear. And this isn't a conversation about public versus private. No. This is a, no. a conversation about good philosophy versus bad philosophy. Exactly. Good ideas versus yep. bad ideas. Yep. Yep. And that's what Education Nation is doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Precisely. So then, so you hosting this conversation then and leading this conversation as i said we're on our 100 and something episode 101st 101st episode yes. mm-hmm. and our first one here on here on the patriot the uh the the conversation that's happening um you're you are hosting people as they come onto the show mm-hmm. uh, who we're going to hear next week from yeah. some of our cuz some of the two of you some of your favorite episodes and yeah. yes. favorite sound bites and people that you've had on the show mm-hmm. and hear some of those highlights mm-hmm. mark talk about how you got involved then in light of that. And, and this mm-hmm. this idea of hosting, I think, is great because you're inviting people into a conversation yeah. based on these ideas that we can all agree on. Mm-hmm. We might have different ideas of what it looks like, how it's expressed. Mm-hmm. But we are we are hosting these conversations. Talk about, Mark, how you got involved in that. What was the draw for you to, to, to take part in that conversation? Absolutely. And thank you for all that you're doing here today, Andrew, and just yeah. introducing us. Great. We're just so thankful for that. You know, I didn't know really a whole lot about education when I was asked to join the program back in November of 2016. But what I do know is I have two small daughters, one who is currently enrolled right now uh, at Liberty Classical Academy. And what I wanted for her was something that was far different than what I had for myself. Now, I grew up in a very good public school uh, upbringing, um, but I will say 
that for whatever reason, I did not learn how to think critically, to take the information that was presented to me in classes while I was growing up and really think critically about them, research, you know, different angles so that I could form arguments to either defend or come against a certain position. And so basically what my education boiled down to was one of memorization, and I became a great memorizer. In fact, you know, in the hallways when I would be with other kids from classes and we'd talk about the test that was to come up, it's like, hey, you know, I heard from so-and-so who had this class third hour that the fifth question on the test (laughs) is this, and it's letter C. I found that out from somebody else. But it was really about how to do well on the (laughs) test. True confessions on the radio. Absolutely. (laughs) But that's what my education boiled down to because I grew up in a home where performance and excellence and perfectionism were really stressed. Mm -hmm. And so my mind automatically computed that as, well, let's get A's and B's so that I can go to the college of my choice. Now, mass communications and broadcasting and journalism were always within my spirit from a very young age. And so I'm thankful that I've always been able to communicate well. And so I was able to get into the college of my choice because I had those talents, yes, but it really all came down to memorization. And I quickly found out when I got to college that, wow, I'm thankful I'm going into a profession or pursuing a profession where I know how to communicate. But when it comes to all of these other classes, I really don't know how to think critically. I don't really know how to process the information and to be able to build upon that. Because it's not required of you. It, it wasn't. What's it required wasn't. of you is knowing that the answer to number five is C. Exactly. And I didn't have the tools in place to really think critically, and this really scared me. And so what it became for me was is this is uh, all of my eggs in one basket, and I better, better make a really good showing and run at this television journalism aspiration that I have. Because I have nothing else to fall back on, nor do I know what my passions would be in that area. So I then marry, and I have a family, and I've got a daughter, and I'm recognizing where I fell short in all of these areas. And being somebody who keeps up on current events and seeing what was going on in education here in America, where it was about tests that were being curtailed to curriculums that were being decided by the higher-ups, I started to see some of the same patterns of If I don't focus on putting my children in a place where they're going to think critically and to learn to be comfortable in what they're learning based on their acquiring skills to to think critically, to amass information, to be able to dissect it and communicate it, they're going to fall in the same line of pattern as I did. And that's just becoming a good memorizer without really learning. So as my uh, oldest daughter, as we learned about this classical education opportunity, and I enrolled my daughter uh, in the school. I had an opportunity to talk with some folks in the school that there was a radio show on education, and they were looking for some help. And I initially took it as, okay, well, I I have producing experience and I have on-air commentary experience, so I will lend that, but I knew nothing about education. So when I was asked to come on the show, I knew that this was going to involve a lot of research. Mm -hmm. And this was good because I really needed to learn. But research is your thing. It is. Mm -hmm. Is what we know about you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So (laughs) I love the details. Mm -hmm. I love facts to support, you know, what we're talking about. So as I began that process of really researching, I began to see a lot of the findings out there were starting to really validate what a lot of my concerns were 
that I had about myself primarily and what I wanted to protect my children from. Yes. And so that's how I came onto the program here at Education Nation, and I'm just thrilled uh, to see that what I'm learning is very instrumental and will be valuable in helping shape and to guide my children as they go through their schooling experience. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The the point you make of, of what you started to discover when you started doing the research, and Rebecca, you had mentioned it when you were talking earlier about this idea of, of doing the research mm-hmm. for people. Mm-hmm. As, as a parent myself, I don't take the time to do the research. Right. Because you don't have time. You're too busy raising your kids. Exactly. Mark discovered mm-hmm. that as he started doing the research, he realized <laughs> this is bigger right. than I thought. Mm-hmm. And and using words that can be that can sound scary or conspiracy theorists like indoctrination mm-hmm. can get you painted into a corner. But indoctrination happens anywhere you go, mm-hmm. right? That's why this conversation is not about – education nation is not about why private school is better than public school. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not about why Christian school is better than non-Christian school. It's about good education versus bad education. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And you and so the research. Talk about what the research looks like to you. Um, as we as what does the show look like? Okay. So let's let's give our listeners an idea of we're going to talk about an I- ideas to agree on. Right. Um, and what does that research look like for, for, for both of you? Mm-hmm. What is, how do you mm-hmm. tee that up? What is that conversation? Well, like? usually Mark and I actually get together a few times a month uh, to plan out our shows coming up. And usually what we do is we go by what is happening in the news. So we both subscribe to several um, periodicals, online periodicals, and um, I'm an avid reader of uh, the Wall Street Journal and – so both of us, because we're up on current events, you tend to see what's happening in education, both locally and nationally, and to a certain degree statewide. But most of the most of what we cover in Minnesota tends to be local to the Twin Cities. Um, but that being said, because we have our, our pulse on what's happening, because we're staying on top of all of the reading then we can pick the topics that are most pertinent to the discussion. So, for instance, you know, a few years ago when Betsy DeVos was named the education secretary, we did a whole show on who is Betsy DeVos. Nobody knew who she was. And so um, we researched, you know, Mark, um, I'm going to be very transparent here. Mark does the bulk of the research. I did initially before Mark came on. I did all of the research and uh, another woman at the school helped me as well. And that's why Rebecca is thankful for Mark. And that's why I'm very thankful for Mark. (laughs) Exactly. Because I also run a school. So um, that being said, um, I still enjoy being up on what's going on and I'll often send articles to him. Um, I'll sometimes even cut articles out of the Wall Street Journal that I because I still like to read that paper copy yeah. <laughs> and so um, give them to him. I'm still one of those. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I am. And that being said, uh, we we just find that there is so much to discuss. Sometimes it's hard to decide what to talk about because yes. there's so much happening. Yes. Um, but that is usually the way it goes. So then we'll meet and we'll talk about what's most pertinent and. Um, we'll think about who would be excellent guests to speak on that topic. So oftentimes we have guests on our show uh, that have the expertise even more than we do on these topics. 
and we'll interview them and Mark right. kind of sets up that, that foundation of the research. Exactly. And you, know, you think about education and you think, okay, principals and teachers, but I mean, you have headmasters, you have research fellows, mm-hmm. you have elected politicians who, you know, they head up different advisory committees on education in their local uh, state offices. And so there's a lot of people and there's a lot of players that are in play that are deciding on what education is going to look like in this country. And it's just wonderful to be able to not only read about these people online, but to also have the connections to them as well, where we can bring them in studio and really hear what's going on behind the scenes. My philosophy is really we need to get to the root of what's going on. A lot of what Mm -hmm. we see playing out in education today has a root system. It's Mm -hmm. merely the symptom that we're seeing. And so I enjoy really researching and getting people on the show that can tell us about what's going on as far as the roots are concerned. And we'll talk more about that next week as well. Mm-hmm. That's great. I think mm-hmm. the, you know, when, when we, we've talked before, Rebecca, about the, the straw man idea yes. where, you know, you'll hear a politician say, I don't want anyone to say ever again that it doesn't matter that, or that inner cities don't need good schools. Mm-hmm. Like, well, no one has ever right. said that. Right. But what, but what we need to be doing, if we're talking about ideas to agree on, is we need to get, we need to be defining our cliches, defining yes. the terminology we're using mm-hmm. so that we're all having the same conversation. Mm-hmm. We need to be defining what this means. Yep. So in light of that, given the, given the stage that's set for next steps for the show, we're in a new season of the show uh, here on The Patriot. We are leading conversations that it's a, like I said, it's a, like we said earlier, it's a polarizing conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also a, it's a conversation that a lot of people get passionate about. What are some goals that you have for your listeners, whether the listener has been with us from the beginning or they're just joining us now? What are some goals that they that you have for your listeners as they unpack the material that they're receiving on Saturdays Mm -hmm. at six? Um, I would say that one of the main goals for us would be for our listeners to become informed through the show, but then to take what they've learned. I mean, a half an hour show is a half an hour show, right? There's. We can't cover everything in 30 minutes or 28 minutes, whatever it is that we have. So we hope that they will take what they have heard on that show and further research it for themselves, that they will get involved, that they'll get excited about education, that they will begin to see the important role that education plays in our nation in shaping the future um, and then paying attention to what their politicians feel about education paying attention to how, if they have children that are still in school or grandchildren, paying attention to how that child's school is actually carrying out education. Is it reflecting is it, is it reflecting ideas that work? Or is it reflecting ideas that have been proven not to work? Mm. So really just that idea of getting our listeners to pay attention to education, to become informed about their own schools that they're affected by, and then to pay attention to how their elected officials think about education. Informed citizens are terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> and that is our goal. Right, right. We want to create People terrifying. People should think we want them to think. Terrifying exactly. <laughs> yes. Mark, talk about that. I, I just want to echo that sentiment as well, too. Knowledge is powerful. Yes. And it's it's a matter of knowing where to go to get that information, to being able to discern between, okay, what is a, what is objective versus what is subjective? Mm-hmm. 
You're going to have you have subjective voices everywhere. I mean, with the increase of technology, with you know blog, the blogosphere, mm-hmm. with the different network uh, television stations, uh, some of them being partisan, others maybe not so much. Yes, it's important to be able to navigate all of that material, and that's what we want to do here. Is we want to come from other sources where yes. people may not be as familiar with to take more of an objective approach and say, okay, this is more objective. Take this and then go ahead and research it on your own to Absolutely. come to your own conclusion. That's mm-hmm. great. I think. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful stage you've set. This is a conversation worth having, and it's a conversation you're leading well because it's because you're coming at it saying, we want good ideas, mm-hmm. and we want to put everything on the table and talk about what's right and what's good. We want to talk about the ideas that we all agree on right. and how to unpack it. Absolutely. So join us next week. We're going to talk about more about these last 100 episodes, what mm-hmm. they've been like, what the highlights have been. We're going to set the stage for really what this show looks like going forward. Thank you for joining us, and we will talk to you next week. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.